Sabine Wren. I don't know you. Well, I know you, and all about how you've joined the Phoenix Squadron. I also know that your mother is looking for you. Don't believe him. Sabine never told you about her family? Well, she lies as well as you, boy. Forceketeers, and welcome to another episode of Ghost Stories, a Rebels podcast. I'm your host, Ernie, also known as Spectre 9, and tonight I am joined by Lindsay, also known as Spectre 8. How are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm good. Hey, so uh, something historical happened last night, or the, the night before, I should say. Yeah, the night before. Yeah. Um, Mike, our other host, got married. Yeah. So Got married to, got married to his own little little Jedi. He did. It was a nerd wedding from what I hear. <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so we would like to say congrats to Mr. and Mrs. Spectre 7. Uh, but how was the wedding, uh, Lindsay? I wasn't able to attend, unfortunately. I do have a four-month-old. Um, I know. It was very Star Warsy and very Mass Effect-y, obviously. So they, for, for the listeners who didn't know, they got married on N7 day, November 11, uh, November 7th. Yeah. So it was very mass effecty. So it was awesome and amazing. And it was just a big gathering of friends who all were giant geeks for star Wars and all things space related, really star Wars, mass effect, anything related to (laughs) space. And it was awesome. It was a great time. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, they they look so happy, and I was a uh, I'm I'm very I'm very happy for Mike. Mike, I love you, man. I'm so happy for you. Yes, and also it is it is his wife's birthday today, so happy birthday to Caitlin, Miss Miss Spectre Seven, Miss Spectre Seven, Mrs. Spectre Seven. <laughs> Um, yeah. So we actually had to call in for some backup tonight because uh, Mike is out of commission. He's actually up north uh, visiting, you know, Lucasfilm. He, yeah, jerk. Lucasfilm. Yeah, and he better give us a report. <laughs> So I want to welcome, for the first time on this show, all the way from the Echo Base podcast, Chris. Chris McGuffin, how you doing, man? I am pretty good. How about you? <laughs> we're, we're thrilled to have you on the show. Yes, I so am happy. I am definitely uh, thrilled, and we want to give you the call sign of Commander McGuffin. So. Hey, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I, I could be a commander. Yeah, for sure. Well, you're part of the, uh, the main hub show, so. <laughs> sounds good, sounds good. I was supposed to say, usually um, uh, when one of us uh, has to leave Echo Base, we kind of leave him out in the cold of Hoth. So we, we like to shut the, like, last week, I think we shut the blast doors on, um, I think, Eric, because he wasn't there. And then the week before, Lou wasn't there. So we had to shut the blast doors on him. And I, now, you know, I've, I've, left, I've left the base. So hopefully they don't shut the blast doors on me. Well, it's a good thing I have Hopefully a tauntaun for you. <laughs> I don't know. A wampa might go after you. Yeah. You got to watch out for the wampas. So the episode, uh, the episode was called Imperial Super Commando. Commandos. Sorry. Uh, I kind of want to preface this episode here by saying something that might kind of ruffle some feathers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm actually not a Boba Fett fan. But <sighs> I will tell you this. With that being said. Uh-huh. Anything Mandalorian? I'm, list- 
I'm listening. Yes. Anything Mandalorian, <laughs> I will eat up. I don't know how you guys felt about this episode, but anything Mandalorian, I just go crazy over. <laughs> I, I just, did you guys enjoy the episode at all? I loved this episode, but I do have to ask you, have you read the Boba Fett legacy series? I have not. That might make you appreciate. I, I truly enjoyed those books and that made me appreciate uh, Boba Fett more and made him seem less overhyped. But taking away, because I don't like Boba Fett from the prequels. I like him from the original movies and then the books from the legacy. But just so you know, I, I have books you can borrow if you ever want to borrow them. And but I will borrow I love, them. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mandalorians. Um, if any of you didn't know, I'm a huge Satine fan, even though she kind of rejected the Mandalorian ideals. I, I love the whole Mandalorian construct and the mythos they've created around it. And I'm glad that they've continued it forward in Rebels and especially this episode. How about you, Chris? Uh, what did you think of the episode? Uh, as someone who, first of all, I'm very uneducated when it comes to most of the uh, expanded universe or legends or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's so, expanded universe to me, but I'm now calling it legends. <laughs> so my, my appreciation for... Um, Anything that has to do with Mandalorian really only comes from uh, the Knights of the Old Republic games. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so I was, I was, I like, I'm like you, uh, Ernie. I don't like. I'm not a really huge Boba Fett fan. I mean, he's whatever to me. It's irrelevant. Um, but I really enjoy this episode because one, Sabine is my favorite character. Mm-hmm. from the ghost crew at least so it's nice to see her and even Ezra too get kind of this um this uh this tag team duo kind of episode so i enjoyed it i th- i thought it was really good yeah and i mean to be honest this is the second episode in the series that's been sabine centric which is more than we've had really to be honest and I yeah, would say. Yeah, Sabine has been like a mysterious character, at least even from one and two. They've kind of given us bits and pieces of her backstory here and there. But I'm noticing they're kind of pushing her out a lot more. And I kind of want to ask you guys, does that make you worry about her a little bit? Um, in a lot of cases, in in normal case, at least for me personally, I would worry but I wonder if they realized that they hadn't given her enough in previous seasons. And so now they realized, Hey, maybe we need to give her more. And so that's what they're doing. They're rectifying the previous season's errors. So it could go both ways. I'm hoping, I don't think she's getting like a, a tragic. I don't, I'm not getting the feeling that they're doing something bad with her. So I'm thinking it's more of a rectification thing, at least on my part. But do you think uh, she may be at least going and heading into some trouble. And the reason why I kind of bring that up, too, is because mm-hmm. one of my theories at the beginning of the season was, you know, based on Thrawn and and, and what happens in the Heir to the Empire and that whole series, that Thrawn is just really just attached to art. And right. Sabine being the oh. artist of the group, I just really felt like there was going to be this head-to-head thing. But now we introduce another Mandalorian uh you know, villain into the the fray here. Uh, so, but also you, you've got Fenrell kind of joining the crew. Um, so I, I just, I, that's why I started getting a little worried for her. And 
And usually, you know, when you kind of start introducing a little more story of a character, it, it just mm-hmm. means something's going to happen to them. So that's why I got worried. I, I don't know about you, Chris. Uh, did you feel the same way or are you just more kind of like, eh, I just want to hear more story of Sabine? Well, I'm definitely not worried about her fate, like being a, a subject of conversation or a subject of where the story is going. Um, I think it's kind of a mix of just giving her more um, more kind of character development. Uh, I I know the first season of Rebels was um, it was kind of hit or miss in terms of you know exploring the uh, backgrounds of all of our uh, crew members, but you know that's the first season, so it's really kind of expected. But you know now that we're in season three, I feel like we can go deeper. And this episode is one that I don't think really could have been told at any other time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. even if you say, "Hey, we're going to." Uh, Sabine's more of a popular character than we thought, so we're going to give her more um, more time. I still don't think that this was an episode that you could have really had before. Maybe you could have in two, but I, I think it's just it's been set up for this. I, I will say that I do like the idea. I don't know if they're going to go there because you know it's us guessing the writers and all of that but i do like the idea of sabine at least meeting thrawn with the whole art situation uh i just i hope it's a temporary meeting <laughs> they have to do it right i mean we saw that sweet would, like tie well, fighter paint would, job so. you would hope you would hope that they would do it i you would hope they would do it that's what i'm going to say <laughs> if they were smart they they would do it and i think they're smart so let's hope they do it so let me uh, start off here with the synopsis of the episode, uh, basically saying, when the Rebels lose con- contact with Concord Dawn, Sabine, Ezra, Chopper, and Mandalorian prisoner Fen Rao investigate. They find an unexpected, deadly new threat waiting. Uh, so at the beginning of the episode, we have Sabine talking to Fen Rao, who's actually um, introduced in season two, uh, four Rebels at least. Playing this game of cube daggers. I don't know what game this was, but it looked <laughs> yeah, like an interesting game, before. right? Yeah. That was pretty fun, though. I, I thought that was something fun they, they introduced. And uh, maybe the Sabak table will have to figure out this game and talk about it. <laughs> I I genuinely really liked watching her play with Fen Rao because it's clear that even though she considers him, you know, an enemy and he obviously, you know, he's a prisoner you can tell that there's a part of her that sort of she's not, she's playing with him because she sort of misses her Mandalorian past. And mm-hmm. this is a way to, for her to connect with it. Even if she's very much against what Finn Rao is about and what the Mandalorians have become. And she's rejected that. She still wants to connect with it on some level. And I mm-hmm. liked that. And there seems to be some sort of underlying uh, kind of respect like mm-hmm. in, in the Mandalorian code, it's almost like it almost reminded me of Professor X playing chess with Magneto, even though they're against the, you know, different ideals. They kind of respected each other. Yes. And it really felt mm-hmm. like this kind of mind game. But like there was so much respect coming out from both of them. And they kind of get not necessarily in an argument, but Fen Rao is really kind of just upset that he's a prisoner. He's not with the protectors anymore. And he wants Sabine to kind of work for him. But not really him, but for Mandalore. It's kind of, 
she reveals like that she has this traitorous past and it's almost like this mind game, but she's like trying to get him and the protectors to join the rebellion mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. they're all doing it through this game so they can talk. And it, it was just a cool scene to kind of watch. You know, one observation I made about, um, about Finn is that he, I, I liked, okay. So usually I'm not a villain guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate villains, but I, I don't get, like, get attached to them or anything. But at when I saw uh, him and um, Sabine playing the game, and then even up to the mo- really up to the moment where um, they got down on the planet, which we'll, I'm assume, assuming we'll get to here in, uh, shortly, mm-hmm. I kind of I, I I felt myself kind of liking him, well, which is different for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But see, I don't know if he, I would call Fenrau a villain. He's more of like I, I at least personally I would consider him more like a rogue because mm-hmm. he's not a, he's not necessarily aligned with he's not aligned with the rebellion. He's not aligned with the empire. He's basically cutting deals where he can to protect his people. And I, I mean, in the same way that Lando Calrissian and Han Solo did, and that's we never considered them villains. And even though, I mean, obviously he's betraying our heroes occasionally, but does it truly make him a villain or does it just make him someone who's looking out for his own interests and his people's interests? Mm-hmm. They, they definitely kind of made him sort of somewhat of a villain in season two. Yes, I agree. But it was, it was a nice turn because obviously the rebellion is leaning on him. Uh, to kind of get through the Concord Dawn sector, uh, to kind of pass Imperial uh, like patrols. And so when Hera calls that meeting, uh, Fenral right, right away kind of blames the rebellion. Well, if you guys lost contact, it's because of your fault kind of thing. And so it was a different kind of Fen that we've, we've seen in the past. And it was, uh, it was nice. I, I I'm in the same way with you, Chris, like I, I'm not really a villain guy, even though I do love villains, but I'm always going to root for the light. You know? I'm so outnumbered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are, Hux. <laughs> <laughs> he was an intriguing character because he was kind of in the middle. He didn't know what side he was going on. Mm-hmm. It was almost like he had mm-hmm. his own agenda. Not bad, not good. It was just, just his own. And and that's what made him such a, like, just a great character. Because it just made this episode so enjoyable to s- have him play the mind games with Sabine and, and almost blame her. For what's happening mm-hmm. to him and his people, the protectors. Yeah. So it was it was it was great. I, I mean, I, those characters to me are the most complicated and most interesting characters, and the ones I like the most, to be honest. It's it's interesting that we're talking about it because I'm sitting here thinking about uh, previous examples in Rebels of villain-like characters that end up um, giving off that rogue attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few examples that come to mind are the um, the droid that oh, I think it was from I want to say it was from last season um, that was bad and then turned out to be good and then it died at the end of the episode. Oh, Chopper saved him. Um, yeah, God, yeah, 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 yeah. That one. What was his um, name? I, I can't remember. remember. I, but I, I know what you're talking about. Either. That was a great yeah. episode mm-hmm. too. <laughs> and then um, Callus kind of comes to mind too. Even though he's still technically with the Empire, I'm not sure how long that is going That's to last. That's going to last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so, everybody has that overwhelming feeling like he's going to turn and either help the mm-hmm. rebellion somehow. Some people or, actually yeah. think he's actually Fulcrum. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I think that's just it's an interesting way that Rebels is going about with their rogue characters. Mm-hmm. No, roguelike characters. It, it almost makes the 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 ghost crew and the rebellion a little more desperate because they're having to rely on unreliable sources. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean that, mm-hmm. that meeting with, with Hera and, and commander Sato was very important, not only to the rebel crew, but to Fen. it was, it, it was his way to kind of trick everybody, you know, and it was kind of yeah. reveal his own agenda and the way he did it was pretty funny. I mean, cause Ezra, is sent on the mission with Chopper and Sabine and Fen. And then like Ezra kind of gets uncomfortable because Fen has this stone cold face to him being Mandalorian. It's just very warrior. Like he's got like this stone jaw and <laughs> Ezra kind of whistles, walks away, doesn't pay attention. And Fen kind of makes his move. Makes. Yeah. <laughs> I just like right before it all happens, <laughs> Sabine's like, <laughs> Like, did you leave him alone? Did you take his, your eyes off of him? And then, bam. <laughs> so great. <laughs> but when they do come to, we have that little comedic moment with Chopper kind of waking them up. And he's like, stop it. They're like, they're like brothers, right? Chopper and, mm-hmm. and Ezra, they're always like pushing each other and hurting each other. But it, it kind of became this heartbreaking moment. And this is where I, I really believe that even maybe even you, Chris, like kind of turned towards Fen a little bit more. Is he standing over that cliff when, when they're walking up to him? And Ezra kind of uses the force to take his gun. and They're trying to make him kind of surrender. He's not even turning around because he's staring at his village kind of burning. He doesn't twitch. He doesn't twitch. He doesn't try to grip at his gun. He does nothing. He's defeated. I mean, like, it's heartbreaking. Because say what you will about him, he cares about his people and his protectors and they're dead. I mean, they're decimated, and he blames himself. And then he internalizes that, and then obviously blames Sabine. But it's that the voice acting is amazing there, and it's just—I thought it was so well paced and well acted, and it was—it mm-hmm. was heartbreaking. It really was, because especially Mandalorians plan everything out. That—that that is one thing that's becoming apparent. They're very strategic when it comes to battles, to war. I mean, it's just a war-torn planet. So to watch him kind of blame Sabine and blame the Rebellion because he wasn't there with the Protectors to kind of help them and and they would still be alive. He keeps blaming them. He keeps blaming her. Like, Sabine is more on the side of like, okay, let's figure this out. Which clan did this? Let's save Ezra, who ends up getting captured. Um. It was just a, a, a just a turn. Like he became somebody else, and it was a it was the moment where it kind of really started to direct his character and and make him almost likable. Mm-hmm. We see some uh, uh, an imperial probe droid kind of scanning around, and and Ezra uses the force to kind of hold the imperial droid, and and Sabine takes that sweet shot. But we also see the imperial super commandos coming from a distance after that. Now, I wanted to ask you guys, did you guys watch Rebels Recon? No. I have not. Oh, okay. So what did you guys think of the design of them? I was a fan. 
personally. I liked them, yeah. Th- they were smooth and sleek. Did you notice that they kind of looked like stormtroopers except with Mandalorian armor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was that was done on purpose, and they revealed that on, on Rebels Recon, and it kind of oh, made cool. me flip out a little bit, like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. I didn't put that together. But they have some uh, pretty sweet jetpacks that... Some... Yeah, which they obviously, even though they're working for the Rebel, uh, the Empire, they have not given that technology over to the Empire, as far as we mm-hmm. know, because it's never showed up. <laughs> yeah, because it's different from what we've seen, even from Boba Fett. Uh, Boba Fett kind of has that rocket pack that... Kind of has more of that horn at the bottom, mm-hmm. and and it's this a one old fashioned rocket pack. Uh, Boba Fett's looks more old fashioned and very different compared to theirs. And this one looks very yeah slick and aerodynamic. We kind of get a reveal of of a new villain here, Gar Saxon. Uh, now, obviously, Gar Saxon is has already kind of been involved with canon. Uh, he was actually part of. The Darth Maul series, the four-part series, uh, Son of uh, Dathomir. Um, what did you guys think of him, mm. Chris? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that a no? Because he doesn't uh, like bad guys. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I, <laughs> I I haven't really settled a firm opinion yet. Um, Still pending. You're like the yeah the iPhone text with the bubbles, but you don't see a text come through. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you, Lizzie? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. You don't know yet. Okay, well, we'll have to come back to you and kind of ask you again when you're back on the show. <laughs> How so, about you, Lindsay? I, I mean, I liked him, but I don't think there was anything particularly spectacular or unique about him. Like, I, he served his purpose. He's a good villain. Obviously, he's going to show back up again. But I don't. I'm not like he's not a Thrawn to me. He's not a Tarkin. He's not a Boba Fett. He's not a he's he obviously is very, very committed to the now. You know what? No, I take that back. He's not committed to the Mandalorian way because the Mandalorians believe in themselves above all. And he is willing to make deals with the Empire and pledge himself to the Empire so that he can get ahead, which is not necessarily something that the Mandalorians are about because the Mandalorians are about themselves as a group um about their factions and their i thought i thought it was interesting though that they're introducing another villain yeah but i don't know if he's going to be anything major we know like i said like like we know from some of the things they've told us bo katan is coming in at some point in this season so i have a feeling he's going to be involved in that so we're going to get more of this mandalorian situation down the road but i feel like he's a b villain you know like a b or a c villain like he's not he's not going to be a major plot point like he's in he's sort of important but not overly important and that's why he's not inherent he's driving the plot forward but i don't feel like he's inherently interesting within himself he's giving us information about sabine which i think is really good and he obviously has some selfish motives which are interesting but i don't know if he himself is an inherently interesting guy, he's kind of just a, a old white guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good way of putting it, I guess. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Who can fight? <laughs> but he has some really good uh, dialogue with Ezra. Now, before this, though, 
this is probably the only nitpicky part I think of the episode I I didn't like. All right, so with the the way the season began, like Ezra really showed off his powers. Granted, mm-hmm. they were somewhat of the dark side powers, more aggressive. We saw that sweet spin move and him taking a couple stormtroopers and even taking the ATST down, like having it walk off the cliff. But now we're kind of getting this clumsy Ezra. I felt like it wasn't consistent, but I can also argue that because the dark side kind of makes you a little bit more powerful and now he's kind of like toned it back, that he's back on the path of the light. But what did you guys think? Am I kind of overreacting here? I'm not a fan. Uh, I I don't like his... I I don't like his tactics of being like, you know, trying to lie and you know cheat his way into um into you know try to get what he wants i like i like at first you know i you remember uh i think it was even in the first season um he said something about how uh he was like a different character like jabba the hut or something and it was funny the first time and it was mm-hmm. even funny like the second and third times but now it's it's, it's if it's like a running gag it's just i i'm not I don't know. I just don't like that about Ezra's character. At, at least right now. It was fine when he was more immature, but now that he's really kind of starting to step up and maybe make his own own decisions, you know, it just I don't want to see him revert back to the old ways. Yeah, I feel like it's a little much and then also he he should know better than to telegraph him using the force as because he was super telegraphing in that scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like super force hand moves. Yeah. Does he really need to use his hands that much? <laughs> I mean, he was clumsy in this episode. Uh, yeah, and I just feel like it was it was to serve the plot more than what he can actually do. They needed him to do it for the plot as opposed to what his what we've seen him capable of doing. I have to remind mm-hmm. myself that this is a kids show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have a podcast where we break this stuff down, but I have to remind myself it's just a kid show and you're you're exactly right. It's more to kind of drive the plot and let the focus be on Sabine. It's a specific Sabine episode. Mm-hmm. So you're completely right. Uh but yeah, one of the lies he tells is uh he's part of Hondo and Naka's crew. Uh the other one he says is uh he's Lando Calrissian. <laughs> so, go figure. <laughs> but Fen Fenrao um strategic as he is uh kind of more of a bully threatens chopper with target practice which was kind of sad and then that's when ezra kind of saves chopper with the force but during that moment we actually see that fenrell finds the frequency that they're talking on through their helmets and overhears that they were going to destroy the village anyways and then realizes that if he had not been with the the rebels crew he would have been with his men dead and that's kind mm-hmm. of the turning point for him. But also, Ezra clumsily gives himself away. He reveals that he's a Jedi. He's got force powers and makes himself more of a valuable capture to Gar Saxon. Yeah. Which, I mean, he, well, he doesn't have his lightsaber, but he should be able to take all those people out. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's kind of... If he just gave into that dark side that he's been touching into, he can just force, force choke him out. It's fine. It's fine, Ezra. We'll forgive you. <laughs> so I, I have a question here. Do you guys think that um, 
the the scene with uh, Ezra and Gar Saxon was it, it showed a sign of weakness in, on the villains' parts because one thing that I don't want um, rebels to get into is just having um, the good guys win every single time, mainly mm-hmm. because the the villains are weak or stupid or you know they just can't compete with the rebels. And somehow, you know, they always find a way to outsmart them or something. And this, I was just like, okay, you realize that your hand moves whenever you shoot once, but you try again. And then it just like, it takes you a minute to realize. And then you even don't pick up on Ezra lying like three times in a row. Mm -hmm. It's just that, that kind of annoyed me. I feel like it was done for comedy at the detriment of the characterization, which sometimes happens in normal television shows, let alone a show that's Y7 for general audiences. But I feel like it was comedy on, but it was, it was at the detriment of characterization on both their parts. Okay. At least that was my personal opinion. Cause that didn't make very, yeah. Cause the second time it happened, I was like, really? Like that doesn't make sense. He sounds they like they should him. know better. He's one of those guys that likes to hear himself talk. <laughs> he gave away <laughs> way too much to a kid. But so, he should know about Jedis. I mean, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Qui-Gon Jinn, they've all experienced them on Mandalore. It's not Anakin. Anakin was there. Like, it's not an un... They would know what that looked like and felt like. Yeah, and he was he was in the uh, Clone War um, with the uh, Shadow Collective. So he knows. Yeah. He knows all about this stuff. So so I feel like it was a comedy. It was a comedy beat. Definitely. Now, Sabine finds herself a rocket uh, jetpack. <laughs> yes. At that moment, the, their plan is to kind of separate. Sabine is going to go rescue Ezra. And then Fenral is going to get secure the ship. Now, allow me to nerd out a little bit here. Because one thing I... I figured out in the uh, Empire Strikes Back, there's a moment where Luke arrives on Bespin in Cloud City. And he's kind of trying to sneak down the hallway. And he sees Boba Fett kind of walking down the hall with, you know, uh, Han Solo and the Carbonite. There's a moment where Luke kind of has to duck and hide again. But you mm-hmm. see Boba Fett turn to the right. Now, they've they've gone on in books and magazines to, to reveal that Mandalorian helmets have this sensor sound system. Uh, so they can they have this really supersonic kind of high he- hearing system in their helmet. So there was a moment where Fenral tries to sneak up uh, on the trooper in the ship, but the trooper hears him. I just like connecting, you know, that expanded universe kind of Star Wars thing. It makes the the universe consistent. Did you guys catch that at all? I I, I freaked out. I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. See, I didn't know that about. I've read the legacy books, but I didn't know that about, I mean, I knew it happened in the books, but I didn't know they had confirmed it for the the movies. How about you, Chris? Hmm. Did you catch that? I did not. Um, But you do know what I'm talking about in Empire Strikes Back with Boba Fett kind of turning. Have you Mm -hmm. noticed that? Yeah. Okay. They did did it in the episode. It was just a slight little nod to it. And maybe (laughs) I'm just freaking out over it a little bit too much, but no, but it's great. Right. I loved it. Yeah. Um, one of the it's, things I, that's the thing I love about the show is that they have those nods and they really pay attention to the lore and the the things that are the the little details that are important. Mm-hmm. For sure. 
Speaking of little details, before I forget, I'm, I wanted to ask you guys. Um, this kind of goes back, but uh, remember, I think it was, or no, it might it might still be forward in the episode, but mm-hmm. I think it was at a time when I think it was someone was firing a gun, and it was a one of the Mandalorian guns, or. Um, Maybe one that uh, the Imperial commandos were using, but but the sound effect sounded really familiar, almost like it came kind of from Knights of the Old Republic. Really, I I'm gonna yeah, have to go back and watch it. I, I might be like overthinking it, but I could like I could could have sworn that I've heard the gunshot from somewhere, and that that that's the game that came to mind. I, I don't know. I wouldn't I put it wrong. past you. I, I would, I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if it yeah. really is a sound effect. But one of the surprises in the episode is that uh, Gar Saxon reveals that Sabine's mom, who was part of Clan Vizsla, also Gar Saxon himself is also part of the Vizsla c- clan uh, that Sabine came from. That that whole connection. Uh, did you guys like, kind of realize that? Like. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. I, yeah, and that they've joined the Empire, and that her her mother is with them, and he said, "I." I it's going to be interesting to see how it affects Sabine. The fact that he said that her mother joined because the of Empire Sabine. because of Sabine leaving this, you know, the Academy. No, because before, it was shame. Before we hit record, what was your theory? That you, who do you think her mom is? Oh, so I think her mother is Bo-Katan because we know she's coming back. And I don't I don't know if her mom is Bo-Katan, but I think that would be really interesting if her mother was that because it, it would... It, I could see Sabine... I could see Bo-Katan in Sabine. I could well, see bits... I could see her being the mother. Yeah, we're going to sit back and, and see if that actually happens. I'm actually excited about your theory. <laughs> I, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but... That when they mentioned when they mentioned that Bo-Katan was coming back, and then we had that reveal in this episode, the wheels started turning in my head, and that's where I've gone. Because <laughs> that was a shock, revealing that Sabine's mom is still alive and part of uh, Gar Saxon's crew. Yeah, and it's Bo-Katan doesn't have much family left. Also, so. you, can, you can, I don't know why, but Gar Saxon's thinking kind of strikes me as odd a little bit sometimes too because there was a moment where he actually and I, and I quote you are dealing with the mandalorians child not imperial officers fresh out of the academy i just think it's odd because he's kind of um contradicting himself he joined the empire but he also is serving himself mm-hmm. but he he's reliant on the empire i just i just thought that was so contradicting Either way, moving on. Uh, so Sabine ends up saving Ezra by throwing some uh, flash grenades in, right? And at that moment, they're they're escaping and and they're at the cliffside and they don't know what they're going to do. And that whole uh, Sabine and uh, Gar Saxon uh, conversation kind of comes up, and then that's where the mother is, is is revealed to still be alive. But Sabine, using her head and strategy, which she said takes longer. It's nice to have that. <laughs> nice to that have that great. sassy uh, Sabine moment again. 
but she puts her helmet on chopper and you know says uh you know put it back to frequency 337 and she tells chopper to send a frequency like a high-pitched frequency which kind of (laughs) puts the super commandos in a state of like this hurts my ears (laughs) but that's their moment to escape i love this moment where they're on the jetpack flying through the canyon it was a fun moment for me. I, I really made the episode really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Did you guys turn into a kid like I did in this moment? <laughs> yeah, that this was probably my favorite uh, sequence in the entire episode, really. Yeah, um, I thought it was really dynamic, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I like when uh, Ezra gets knocked off of Sabine, <laughs> falls on Chopper, and Chopper tells him that that was on that was on accident. <laughs> Ezra goes, I know yeah. it was on accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so great. They're kind of surrounded. They get caught because um, Ezra ends up falling off, I think, or something like that. But oh, Fen- and yeah, so. and before this, just so everybody remembers, Fenro, we see he is taken off already. He, that's right, he is taken off. He is taken off and left the. Sh- he has taken the Phantom Two. By the way, do you like the paint job on the Phantom Two? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he's taken so off on the. Bandits. Yeah, they're stranded. That's why they're they're being chased through the the uh, canyon here. Thanks for pointing that out. I totally forgot about that moment. Uh, but he actually comes back to save them, and that was like his moment of of redemption. And it's probably another Chris moment, like nodding, yes. I'm, I'm back. <laughs> it on really the, was. <laughs> I'm back on the Fenral uh, trip. There, tragedy strikes. Sabine loses her jetpack. <laughs> I was hoping she would keep it. I really was. I was. I was. I was hoping she would. There was a moment where Fenral helps them escape and, and they save save them and they're they're taking it off, but Fenral decides he's actually joining the ghost crew and the rebels, which made me a happy camper. And I hope they, they use him more than like Commander Sato, who just shows up for like a plan. I was just gonna say that part made me really happy when he was like, We're joining. <laughs> what about yeah, you, Lindsay? I, I I really, really liked it. Um but at the same time, he has nothing. He has nothing else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's sad. He's lost everything, and it's you know he if he had. I don't know if his people could have been saved if he had joined up earlier. But you know, it's 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 a tragedy that he lost you know his men, and it took mm-hmm. losing his men to join the rebellion. But that's what happens to people. So I, I'm really really. Glad joined i don't blame fenral for the way he acted towards sabine in the beginning because, oh no i i believe yeah. yeah he he was angry his people just got killed the protectors got killed and then the turn that really makes him kind of want to join the rebellion is one obviously the loss of his people he doesn't have anything anymore but the fact that sabine kind of stuck to the mandalorian code in a different way she was willing to sacrifice herself for Ezra and for Chopper, her friends. That's what he says at, at the end of the episode. That it was her own way of sticking to the code. And that's kind of what, what changes his mind and reveals there's a lot of honor in what she did. Right. And that's the most important thing to the Mandalorians is that an honor and, and clan. And she has a clan. And that's what he finally understands. Okay. So this episode was not part of the main plot with Thrawn, what's going on with the Rebellion crew. 
I also wouldn't put it as a filler episode. It's more of a side story. That's kind of the way I'm going to put it. Mm-hmm. But I want to hear you guys' rating. Chris, how would you rate this episode from a scale of 1 to 10? 1 to 10. Uh, Negative simply, three. <laughs> <laughs> simply from a an, an enjoyment factor, I would say an 8, which I really wasn't expecting at the start. Um, at, from an overall like story arc kind of sense, probably closer to a five or a six, just because we'll have to wait and see if anything that happens in this episode becomes more, uh, more prevalent in later episodes or even mm-hmm. later seasons. But um, definitely from an enjoyment factor, definitely an eight. I, I I really had a lot of fun watching this one. Sweet. What about you, Lindsay? Uh, I'm kind of on the same level. I would say like an uh, eight on the enjoyment level and then from a story level, mainly because I like, I like complicated, I really like complicated characters like Venro. I I really like people like him who are not cut and dry and live in the gray and kind of find good. I like stories like that. And I, despite some of the um, structural issues I found with some of the, you know, character points they did you know add some comedy in there i would yeah i would say like it's an eight for fun and then plot wise i would give it like a seven so i'd knock a point off for some of the issues we talked about earlier you took the words right out of my mouth i'd say both all three of us agree we kind of have (laughs) two scores here because of the episode it didn't really progress the storyline of the season but it did give us some important background for Sabine. It introduced a new um, villain, Gar Saxon, mm-hmm. but also introduced a new character for the uh, the rebellion, um, Fen Rao. And I really liked what they did with his character, uh, not only story-wise, but even the animation. In the beginning, his face is almost very defeated, very tired. And at the end, when he's talking to Sabine and, and realizing her her way of keeping the code, it, there was a light to his eyes, almost an, like, like an excitement. And I really liked that they animated it that way. It made it believable. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's actually one thing that I'd like to praise Rebels for, especially in the later parts of season two going into season three, is the animation style. Um, I remember when this uh, show was first announced, it was not really received very well uh really people were really used to the clone wars and this is it has similarities to it but it's also kind of different uh and it has its own take and you know i i don't know what people were really expecting to see and i i've always liked the animation style of rebels but this you know some of the things you're mentioning i like the really small like tiny nuanced details that that's what that that's what really gets 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 to me. Yeah. Um and I just thought of this, but did did anyone notice kind of the parallels between Finro and Han Solo at least with him coming back? Yeah. At least with the original Star Wars with him jetting off and being like peace and then swooping in at the last moment. I believe the- I believe his line was uh, you're all clear Sabine now let's blow this thing and go home. <laughs> <laughs> no, but good it's, catch. It's, yeah, the whole like him having to make that decision of like blowing 
his you know these people out. Obviously, they weren't his friends like Luke and Leo were. Leo were, but him coming in, swooping in at the last moment with the ship, it it had those kind of connotations since he had been kind of a shady character. It gave me warm feelings. I, it made me feel better about him even more. <laughs> He's no Han Solo, but I felt better about him after that. <laughs> that is a great catch and very true, and I completely agree with you. Now, did you watch the preview for next season? Uh, sorry, the next episode, Iron Squadron? Lindsay? Yes. You did? Yes. All right, your boy's back. I know. And this one looks like it's going to be a hard-hitting one. So. I'm very excited. So that's going to do it for our episode today. Uh, we are Ghost Stories, a Rebels podcast. Now you guys can follow us on Twitter at Ghost Stories Pod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Yeah Buddy Ernie. Uh, Lindsay, where can we find you? Uh, my personal Instagram and Twitter is Betty B E T T I E Bloodshed, like blood shed S H E D, or cool. on. <laughs> yeah, or you can find me on my website's Twitter, which is SDCC Nerds Attack. All right, awesome. And Chris? Uh, on Twitter, I am at The Curse of Chris. And if you're not listening to the Echo Base podcast, probably should be. Yes. We're at Echo Base Podcast on Twitter. You're also part of the other two Outer Rim, uh, Random Chatter. Yes. This show and is Cord actually. Cordcast, too. Yeah, Cordcast, too. That's right. Man, you're a man of a uh, lot you're of talents. All over the place. <laughs> yeah. So, this podcast is actually part of the Random Chatter Network. Uh, I would encourage you guys to subscribe on iTunes or any uh, podcast app you guys are using. Uh, there's some great shows. The ones that Chris mentioned, there's also Scarlet Velocity, uh, Green Justice. Um, since Fall TV is back, those are great shows. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Also, you can catch Mike and I on our other show, Rand, uh, sorry, The Retro Convo. Uh, we just released uh, a YouTube video. I really hope you guys go and support us and, and watch this YouTube video. Um, but other than that, we'll catch you guys later. May the force be with you. Yeah, thank you for joining us, Chris. Thank you for having me. It was fun. For sure, Chris. We'll catch you guys later. <laughs>